I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome, welcome everyone to yet another episode of the Bobo and Flex show. My name is Bobo and I am your host and I'm with the beautiful Flex. I am your South African living in New York, favorite African auntie and optimistic nihilist, reminding you every day of the current apocalypse and the urgency to get your titty sucked. I'm with the beautiful Flex, who is here. <laughs> what are you here to do, Flex? Um, <laughs> I'm not trying to do any more work before the world ends. I think I've done enough on my part. Every week we tell people what we're trying to do. What are you all doing? I know. What are y'all doing for us? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> what have you done for us lately? <laughs> no, I'm trying to enjoy myself. At, um, well, I'm trying to like um, not even balance the scales, but tip the scales from enjoyment to obligation. Ooh. I think I'm doing quite well, but I want to tip it completely. So it's like big enjoyment, 95% of the time, yeah. obligation, 5%. I like that. That's also, mm. I think the mantra for 2020 is big enjoyment, um, ass eating, premium nuts, and titty sucking. Like, that's just what's on the agenda. Less capitalism, more big enjoyment. That's what we're doing in 2020. And with that, let's jump into this week's episode. So this week... Flex, you want to sort of, for anyone who doesn't know, um, let's give a bit of like background info and context into the situation. I was just talking to you about the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard situation. And there's a lot to Mm -hmm. unpack there as far as feminism, as far as abusive relationships, as far as power dynamics, Hollywood, uh, revenge politics. um, Yeah. All the things. But do you want to give people a brief background into what's happening? And if you hear me chewing, it's because I'm eating a brownie. Literally us. (laughs) (laughs) If you hear us chewing, it's because we're eating. Always. (laughs) All right. So also, let's do a trigger warning. It's not something we usually do, but I don't want to appear insensitive to those who might find this topic offensive or triggering. So we will be talking at length about abusive relationships um physical harm um i think we'd also be talking about victim blaming and how we kind of i guess measure victimhood Mm. um or how the public measures victimhood in in a case like this so so johnny depp and amber heard both actors um they met while filming a movie in 2011 they started living together in 2012. They got married in a civil ceremony at their home in 2015. And then soon after that, in um, what year was it? In uh, 2016, they filed for divorce. Um, Amber Heard filed for divorce against or from Johnny Depp. And she cited ir- 
irreconcilable differences and she's also asking for spousal support she showed up to court with a bruise near her right eye and she claimed that johnny depp threw a cell phone at her face oh wow so based on that she was granted a temporary restraining order against him i'm not sure if this is helpful information but she's 30 and he's 52 oh that he is wasn't very a relationship helpful. yeah he was in a relationship with his past or his ex-partner uh for like 15 years or so um, and people kind of thought this relationship would die as quickly as it kind of like flamed, mm. but you know, it happens. Okay. So when she filed for a restraining order, she said that there was a severe incident, um, in 2015, um, where she feared for her life and she revealed a mark on her eye and a cut on her lip. She, um, she, I guess, um, made reference to being abused by him and because at the time and even now she does identify as a feminist and she does a lot of front-facing um activities about women's empowerment she was um a face of me too um not a face but a mouthpiece for me too um at this time so people started i guess drawing conclusions between what she was um what we what she was what's that word i'm looking for what she was implying that was happening Mm -hmm. and then what was actually happening so people weren't very happy with johnny depp and um but again she continued to date him she seemed happy so they kind of minded their business basically then some drama happened with them in the media then she brought her dog to australia and she wasn't supposed to blah 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 blah. then his mum dies in 2016 so some shit happens there and then in 20 late 2016 there's an infamous 911 call mm. so amber heard claimed that her and john depp got into a heated fight a few friends of hers heard the confrontation she said that he grabbed the cell phone hit her um, with great force he screamed at her he was pulling her hair striking her with violent force so a few weeks later they separate um and then she officially files for divorce so at this point now, everyone's like, well, fuck Johnny Depp. Rightfully so, given the information that was presented. Mm. Um, this wasn't a case that I was like really familiar with at the time, but I do remember hearing about it, especially because it was around like the height of Me Too. He got dropped from Pirates of the Caribbean and a lot of other shows or, or movies that were um, being pitched at the time mm. and be- kind of became a social pariah as, um, as it happened to these situations. Anyway, so for the last... Uh, one, two, three or so years, two and a half years, they've been going through this crazy like legal battle where she wants to get a divorce um, um, and he is kind of, what's the word? I guess fighting her with it. And people just thought he was being a douchey guy because it's like, you clearly abused her. Why don't you just let her go? Yeah. He was saying that he didn't want to pay spousal, spousal support and didn't think it was necessary. People were like, well, you know, she's she's your victim like whatever compensation she deems necessary should be what you know she's entitled to like you can't say she doesn't deserve it so basically when the media was coming at him um they were like well give us information about the divorce so we can see whether or not um the claims that you're making are even um like even legit and he made a request to keep the divorce uh, the divorce details private he said he didn't want to release any financial information any um you know, any of the intricacies intricacies about why they're getting divorced or whatever, that it just needed to be a private situation. Some people were like, okay, well, you definitely did something fucking shady if you want it to be private, because if it wasn't that shady, you'd be happy with us knowing, right? Mm. So then, um, you know, they 
they um, are in court some more. They say that she appears quite manic and also irrational during court um, or during the deposition, but they assume that she was fearful of him maybe and that was affecting her behavior. Then in late 2016, there was a video leaked of him throwing a bottle and a wine glass, right? So everyone's like, well, this now affirms what we thought had happened. He is abusive and there's videos to prove it. Then... Um, he got a hand injury that halted the production of the Pirates of the Caribbean. And then during that hand injury, they cut him off and they're like, we're not doing this shit anymore, whatever. Anyway, so then fast forward to the end of 2016, the case has settled. Um, the restraining order request against him was withdrawn because she didn't have enough evidence to prove that it was necessary because they weren't really spending that much time with each other. Fast forward to present day. So around February of 2020, Reddit is popping off because Mm. there was an audio tape leaked about Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. Um, I assume the audio tape was just a random one that was like slightly recorded, but no, it was a session from um, a couple's therapy session that they had. Basically in this session, Amber Heard details um, quite honestly and candidly that she was the one who insinuated the majority of the abuse against Johnny Depp. I want to read out some of the things that she said um, to put context into it. So basically they're estranged at the moment and they were trying to talk out their marriage problems. And she opened up about the violent tantrums that she was happening. Um, And in the audio series, he, he is, he is heard saying to her, baby, I told you this once. I'm really scared to death right now. We're a crime scene. She says to him, I was, I was hitting you. I don't know what the motion of my hand was, but you're fine. I didn't hurt you. I didn't punch you. I was hitting you. You're such a baby. Grow the fuck up. Wow. And then over the course of this, um, uh, what's the audio tape, she begins to say things like, well, who would believe you? You know, I can say one wow. thing mm. and the media would believe me. Yeah. So shut up. Basically, during that court case also, or the deposition, he submitted 87 videos of her attacking him during the course of their relationship, which would have been about three or four years or so. Um, And they were saying that that was the reason why he didn't want to make the court case public, because the details will now say that he was the one who was getting the majority of the abuse in that relationship. Also, before I mentioned the cut on his hand, it was because she was throwing glass bottles at him. One of them broke on the marble countertop, ricocheted, cut his hand, supposedly, allegedly. Oh I don't God. know. Yeah. Then Twitter began to release videos about of both of them and red carpets. And you can see that he's, you know, visibly flinching when she, you know, tries to touch him. Um, he's uncomfortable. He seems a little bit shook up mm. um, and all of these things. Then she, in the... Also in the audio, she says, I can't promise you I won't get physical again. God, I get so fucking mad sometimes. I just lose it. Um, Blah, blah, blah. And then... um, And then he claimed... Oh, no, his lawyer claimed that he is a victim of an elaborate hoax instigated by her to generate positive publicity for her career. Um, She's not a victim of domestic abuse. She's a perpetrator. Mm. And then um, Johnny said, she hit, punched and kicked me. She also repeatedly and frequently threw objects into my body and head, including heavy bottles, soda cans, burning candles, television remotes and paint thinner cans, which severely injured me. And then um, if you 
Google this case, you can see photos of him um, with bruises um, and scars and, and all these things. And to be fair, like there's, there are images of both of them torn up, like scars, bruising, hair missing, all of the above. So what we can presume for this information, it's a toxic dynamic and they're both abusive to each other. The point of us discussing this now is basically Reddit was, um, Reddit was saying like, isn't this really interesting that when this first bit of information came out, obviously it was like the, the court of public opinion and people were happy to say that Depp was an abuser and deserved any of the, um, deserved to be treated like a pariah mm. because he was clearly abusive. Um, the media latched into the story. They were quite happy to get some juicy information mm-hmm. out of them. And now three years later, and it's come out that, you know, that she was, um, she was also one, yeah. abusive and it's been really, really quiet. And I guess it's an analysis on the fact that number one, it's, really hard to believe that men can be the victims in these situations there was a lot of rhetoric around why didn't he just leave her you know like why couldn't he just you know if he submitted 87 different videos of him getting abused by her wasn't that enough evidence and we have to go back and remember that it's not like we're not in a society that looks favorably towards men who get abused by women this is not something that everyone's just like rushing to to believe and, and rushing to uplift his story it's very 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 hectic um, and if you go on her Instagram right now, you can see that people she is are, getting you know, attacked. Yeah, attacked. People are calling out the you know contradictions between her being an out loud and proud feminist, feminist, yeah. and a mouthpiece of the Me Too movement, and then behind closed doors, she can't really um, interpret her behavior as abusive. Yeah. You know, because she thinks she has said before that she wants to be. The, the woman who shows other women how to be powerful and how to stand up for themselves. Mm. So, you know, it's not one to say that either either party's behavior is good or bad or whatever, but it is a really interesting case study on how we kind of perceive perceive men in abusive situations. Yeah. Or even now that, like, it, it, it's come out that they were both abusive, the rhetoric is still, well, you know, we didn't have the full story yeah. and now we do. It's both of them. It's interesting. It is interesting. And there's, I think gender plays a role in this. I also think power plays a role in this. I'm really interested in the way that power, and when I say power, I mean like societal power. Like how does money and fame influence human beings and how they relate to each other? I think on one hand, there's power dynamics. On on another hand, there's gender dynamics. And then on the other hand, there's shame. I think a lot of men, a lot of men get sexually assaulted and never say anything because remember that, was it you who was telling me about the tape of Lil Wayne talking about how he was raped as a 14-year-old? Yeah. And he enjoyed it. Or was it 11? It was young. It was, yeah. It was young. Like he was young, something like that. And he was talking about how he enjoyed it when it's like, yeah, you and were that raped, he would fam. never snitch on anyone yeah. because, you know, he was lucky to have somebody want to sleep with him at that time yeah. and he is just grateful. And so a lot of that type of thinking and that type of rhetoric is rampant around men and it extends outside of just sexual abuse. It extends also to domestic violence and just even emotional abuse. Most men in modern day 2020, even if it's not abuse, just basic basic mental health problems and illnesses most men do not feel comfortable owning up or speaking out or talking talking openly about the ways that they're suffering or struggling because that's a direct threat to their masculinity i don't know it's like on one hand like who created this power dynamic the patriarchy did Mm. 
But this again, like, perpetuates their own violence towards themselves. It's wild. RIP. And I was saying earlier that, like, to me, talking about the intricacies of, you know, whose fault it is and blah, 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 and, like, is he bad, is she bad, are they good, are they both victims of circumstance, is secondary to the fact that watching the way the public and the internet is responding to both of these stories is very interesting. Mm. So, naturally, when the information first came out and it was not looking so favourable for Johnny Depp, his socials were flooded with you're an abuser, you know, X, Y, and Z, just really giving it to him and making sure that anyone who'd come onto his page also knew. Similarly to Amber Heard, the same is happening now. You know, you're a fake feminist, you're this, you're an abuser, you know, I hope you so-and-so, all just a bunch of terrible stuff. Not to say they're not deserving of any of those things. I don't really care. What is interesting though, is that audiences who are watching from the sideline think it's their place to flip flop and you know now call somebody out on their like moral obligation and it's like you not that you don't know the whole story but also like what is the benefit of pointing fingers like we now don't have any other skills or any other information on how to navigate these conversations properly we don't know what the appropriate the appropriate way to to question this circumstance is we're just happy to point fingers and get in first and be like "Mm, i knew it something was sus oh i knew it i never believed her that's not really what we need to be hearing right i don't think people are interested in justice i think people aren't interested in justice people aren't interested in equality and people aren't interested in equity people are interested in self-righteousness and Mm. it, it, it smells and tastes and looks a lot like justice but when someone is an abuser and we as a society come out and we now you know we now mark them as a pariah and we're flooding their instagram pages with you're an abuser you're full of shit fuck you like once we now start abusing the abuser, what is the end game? And yeah. on top of that, what do we actually expect the outcome to be? And then also, if people know, and this isn't even this goes beyond gender. If I'm an abuser and I genuinely want to change, but I know that society's perception of my past as an abuser will taint me moving forward and progressing why would i ever bother coming out and trying to right my wrongs and trying to apologize and like i don't think we create space for the things that we claim we want like we claim Mm. that we want retribution you know we claim that we want apologies and retribution and all of these different things but we don't create space for that so what's what's the tea like what's really what do you think people actually want outside of self-righteousness these people who are on amber heard's instagram page and on in her comment section dragging her to filth what is the end game for that i would love to know but it's similar to the discussion we had a few podcast episodes about how um you know, like we want, like, I think when we're talking about self-tanning versus black fishing, mm. there was that discourse in our Facebook group about somebody white had asked why tanning to a deeper shed be, you know, offensive. And then there might've been like 10% of people who were like, this is why it's offensive. Yeah. And 90% were like, well, do your research, yeah. <laughs> but go ask the internet, but so-and-so, which is not to say either way, either approach is bad. Cause I'm a big fan of go Google it, like yeah. go be autonomous and handle it but also it's kind of like i think in most cases we have to understand if we want to instruct specific change then we kind of have to be the vehicle for yeah, it yeah yeah and, uh, and it's like 
look. But I don't know. You're not wrong in saying people want... I don't know. It's definitely not justice. Yeah, it's, it's definitely it's not. not that. I mean, we see it with the Kobe thing. Do you see what's happening right now with um, Gail? Gail King? No. So, Gail King... I didn't watch the video or see, I just read a summary. But basically, Gail King did a special on Kobe, <laughs> highlighting how he was a rapist. And people oh. came for her jugular and was just like, this is not the time. And basically, people were questioning her and being like, you've known that Kobe Bryant, like we've been new. And you waited for him to die to talk about the fact that he's a rapist. Like what gives? And I just, right. for me, I don't think anyone is right or wrong. But what I do find curious is why do people need to see someone as one thing? Kobe is a legend and an icon, but he's also a rapist. Mm. Why can't we have the that? Duality. Yeah, like why can't we accept the duality of man? Johnny Depp is a brilliant actor. He's a fantastic artist, probably a philanthropist, ABC, but probably also an abuser like that's how we all are so why is that so hard for people to grasp like why does the duality of man just cause people so much dissonance like this just so much cognitive dissonance i cannot understand Probably because we spent so much time viewing the world in moral binaries that now it's time to inject a bit of nuance and it calls into question a lot of our own behavior. So if this guy who's a legend, an objective legend in a lot of spaces can be seen as now, you know, an objective, you know, predator, then what about me? Mm. And in what spaces am I now considered the person who, you know, isn't the the moral norm? Yeah. And I, but I feel like people also, I'm, what's that, um, what's that, uh, that personal bias where you um do you know the one bobo the bias where like you will always view yourself as being more moral and you can make um yes exceptions for your own behavior yeah, i know what you're but talking about if you see other people with that same behavior then you deem them as being bad um i know what you're talking about but the name i'm forgetting the name right now but yeah i know i know what you're you're talking about Oh, well, but basically that's a bias. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then also, I think in a lot of ways, like celebrities and people in positions of power have all been gifted and granted with this halo bias, mm-hmm. bias where we see them in such, you know, an affirming positive light that to shatter that shatters a lot of our expectations about people. Yeah. I also think the downfall, like over time, how do I phrase this? I think the downfall of moral absolutism has a lot to do with the downfall of like religion as the pinnacle of virtue and grace and goodness. Like over time or back in the day, people used to look to Christianity and the church and their religions for virtue and just like moral direction. But now that people Mm -hmm. have clocked that religion is trash for the most part, Um, People have opted out of that. Now they have to look to someone else and people have chosen celebrities. But the clownery, (laughs) the clownery of shifting um, your moral compasses from the church to celebrities is that celebrities are actually just people. And not only that, but celebrities have to deal with fame and fame in a lot of ways is more of a curse than a blessing. It really fucks with your, your sense of self and your sense of power 
And so now the people that you're looking at are not only just humans that are just like you and I, but they're also humans that have that are also now battling with fame. That's like eating away mm. at them. The distance that we draw between us as regular humans versus celebrities causes a lot of problems in how we perceive ourselves. Yeah, I agree. You know, like it's actually not. I think there's a lot to unpack there. But it's, it goes back to what you're I, saying I, of like, how can I am able to view myself as trash in these ways and good in these ways, but I can't view Kobe Bryant in in that same duality. Why? And I understand the critique of, you know, um, illuminating this part of his life. Um, yeah, let's say like illuminating his abuse in a time of his death. Mm. I think that the critique was that, pe- okay, so people were concerned that people were trying to say, um, he is uh, a rapist or he's an abuser and therefore he cannot be these things. He can't be good and, 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 you know, a legend as opposed to he was an abuser and is also a legend. Mm. And that's why those two conversations couldn't work hand in hand because people couldn't realize like, okay, well, what are you trying to say? And most people weren't trying to say anything, but remember the facts, yeah, yeah. you know? <laughs> Um, and I think that that becomes hard to, to swallow because yeah, like we've said before, nuance is something that hasn't been, you know, gifted to a lot of people. Yeah. So you kind of do have to like stick in your lane of like, who are you perceived to be the good person or the bad person? And I feel like it's interesting though, because like this too soon, too soon, I totally get it. Like I a hundred percent get it. It can be perceived as insensitive, um, at the worst of times and even the best of times. Mm. But when is a better time? That was actually about to be my next question because there was never going to. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals. You can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It'd be a better time. There was never going to be... I don't know. And by better, I'm sure we're measuring this as like, if we're going to have to bring up this topic or if we're going to have to bring up, you know, something so like vitriolic, let it be at a time where we can reach the maximum amount of people and have that conversation then and wrap it up as opposed to drip feeding it for the next 45 years and not getting to a conclusion of how we want to navigate the situation. It's also like when is a better time, but also what is the what is the desired outcome of this conversation? Like mm. if he was alive right now and we were discussing the fact that he's an abuser slash a rapist, where do we go from there? Like what do we want from abusers? Like at the end of the day, you know, what do we want from Tiger Woods? What do we want from R. Kelly? What do we want from Johnny Depp and Amber Heard? What is the ultimate end game? And I'm sure that um, the the best case scenario or the most ideal outcome difference differs from people to people. But I think that as individuals, we're not given the space to really um, interpret what we want from certain situations. Mm. It's like, well, no, this is the most appropriate response for now. So be outraged with us and then you can figure out how you want to deal with it. 
Because, you know, in certain situations, especially when it comes to online outrage, you'll notice what happens to people in positions of power who don't respond in a way that's mainstream or the norm. Like, imagine, right? Let's say, um, mm. let's say you were accused of assault, yeah. right? Let's say someone's like, Bobo sexually assaulted me. This is my story, yeah. right? And I'm like, well, damn. Like, I understand that in theory, this is outrageous and we should be, I should be speaking about it for it, for it to be that fact. But I haven't spoken to Bobo. Yeah. I got no idea yeah. what inside the story. Everyone's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Now you don't want to believe the victim? And it's like, okay, but no, I, I do. Yeah. But I also want to know what happened. No, make a statement. Like, we need to know what you think. Because if you don't say it, then we're going to assume yeah. you too think that it's not boost. And it's like, well, no, these are all conflicting stories and narratives that I haven't signed up on or signed off on. But that doesn't matter. Because, you know, the audience and the internet rushes you to a decision. Then you get in this tricky area where it's like, oh, I said one thing, but I meant another thing and whatever and so on and so forth. And I don't think there's a right way to navigate there it. There isn't, no. Like with most things. But the assumption that, you know, getting to a response quicker is the best way to do it is also really dangerous. Because mm. there's been a ton of a ton of different times on the internet where we've all rushed to, you know, cancel or demean a person or, you know, a company, a corporation, a brand or whatever, just to find out we didn't have the full story. And then what? <laughs> now we look like clowns. Now we're the clowns. Now we're the clowns. There's a reason, and I don't know why, like for me personally, there's a reason why I stopped being that person who talks about topical news every fucking week when it's yeah. hot, fresh, just dropped. Because like, number one, I don't care that much and I don't only have, you know, <laughs> a finite amount of brain capacity mm. to use on this shit. But number two, it's so... Uh, tiring having to be across these things, you know, get your outrage out, get your af- get your clicks in, and then all of a sudden the story yeah. changes. Like, well, I'm over it. I don't care that it's changed. I said what I said, and now it doesn't matter, but I don't want to talk about it anymore. It's yeah, and now people expect you to follow up, and yeah, it's mm. just a lot of work. Something that I also think about is if I was an abuser, like let's say I beat my boyfriend, and then mm. word came out about it, or someone said to me, I'm going out to the news. I'm going to publicly out you if you don't out yourself. Like, what is the incentive for me to come out and publicly apologize and right my wrongs? Do you think abusers have any incentive to do the things well, that people I'm- expect them to do? Like to come out and be like, hey, I'm Kobe. I raped this girl. I was young and dumb and I'm really sorry about it. Like... Why would he do that? And Yeah, and you're right, because cause we've seen that in the past where, you know, abusers um, have made statements and then now we're critiquing the statement because it sounds insincere, yeah. it's too brief or it sounds too long or they've tried to justify it. And it's just like what you said before, what is the best case scenario? And that'll differ from person to person. Mm. But I do think we do get caught up in outrage um, politics as opposed to thinking about, okay, in like what do, I, what do I actually need from this scenario? And is it even my place to need something from this person? Yeah. <laughs> Literally, me, yeah, me, six degrees separation, <laughs> talking about what I need. <laughs> Honestly, like, why are we so self-righteous and self-centered as people? I think also, I am someone, I don't engage much with celebrity culture, so I think for me, I had trouble understanding the outrage over like why people were upset that people were talking about the fact that Kobe's a rapist. I had trouble understanding that because I don't have any like emotional ties to any celebrities, unless I know them personally, but any of the people that I don't know, 
I don't have any emotional ties to them. So I don't, I can't compute like why people are emotionally affected by things like that. So I also think this, the ways that we react to celebrity news and our outrage has a lot to do with like very strange ties to celebrities that we have very strange emotional ties and I just I question why we have those and I don't think a lot of us are pretty like self-reflective enough to figure out why Mm. you know but I do want to talk about or I guess I don't want to round out that topic unnecessarily but I do think this is a good one for everyone in the group to discuss at length I feel like there are a lot of less important topics that we would spend hours and days going back and forth over but this one's really interesting. You know, what, what, imagine it was somebody that you knew, you know, the girl in the scenario had come out and said that she'd been abused. You would all, you know, vindicated or I guess ostracized the abuser to come and find out that she too was also abusing mm-hmm. said abuser. How would you personally navigate it? You know, are you somebody who would mind your business from the get go? Mm. Are you somebody who would step in and, and feel like you need to create boundaries around how you engage with both parties? I think it's super interesting. And I know like it's a hypothetical, so nobody really knows what they would do, yeah. but I would much rather us take the time out to talk about that than somebody's Tinder bio. Yeah, yeah, no <laughs> facts. I also think another interesting thing to talk about is what do you do when you know an abuser? So if your friend, mm. if you know that, your friend is being abusive or your dad or your brother or someone who's close to you is being abusive. Do you mind your business or do you come in and try Like, what would you do? What would I Let's do? say you found out that your best friend actually is beating her boyfriend. Behind oh, I can't mind my business. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, it's one of those things where, because it's, yeah, if it was a very close friend, mm. I couldn't mind my business. I would need to step in and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You surely say that this isn't like, this isn't chill. Yeah. But I will say that like for me to like jump the full way in, I need to have seen it. I need to have like clarified with both parties. Like you do see that. Like I need to, I need to ensure that every party is seeing it how I'm seeing yeah. it because I don't want to knock somebody's like interest. Do you know what mm. I mean? And from dealing with people, And like, this is separate to a conversation on abuse, right? But the expectation of how you like engage with different people differs per person, per culture, per experience or whatever, do you know? Mm. So I'm not going to come into this dynamic and be like, oh, you know, like she screams at you and you look fearful. Like, is that, do you, are you cool with that? So so on and so forth. So just to make sure and then step in. But also like, I have like five close friends. I would be happy to do that for. Yeah. I know that my moral blind spots come through when somebody messages me and said, This person, I had, oh, I'll tell you on one occasion, yeah. somebody messaged me, right? And said that somebody in our group, our Facebook group, mm. who comments quite frequently and is quite like, you know, um, engaging, yeah. um, is in another group. And has been accused of, you know, misgendering people, minimizing their experiences, Mm. being um, quite prejudiced at times, um, trying to out people, so like screenshotting, sharing and all that. And I was like, I don't actually know what to do here because I don't even think this is my remit. Like how am I meant to really navigate two strangers on the internet doing (laughs) their thing? 
You know yeah. what I mean? And it's like, in my head, I was like, I don't know how to create the separation between me feeling like I'm personally responsible and having to step back and say, this kind of behavior exists whether or not I'm here or not. Right. <laughs> so like, what kind of moral responsibility do I have aside from being like, I hear you and I acknowledge it? That's the thing. I mean, I'm... It's it's a really tricky situation. I'm in a similar like moral dilemma at the moment where I have a friend who's being emotionally abusive towards her boyfriend and she doesn't I don't think she actually realizes that she's being abusive um because she also like grew up abusive like it's just a cycle. But the thing is I don't actually really know her boyfriend so I can't go to him. And I think her abuse she sees as power she sees as like being a feminist and sort of i think a lot of people conflate like access to patriarchy to being a strong feminist woman and it's one of those situations where like what she thinks is feminism is actually emotional abuse and manipulation and it's a really Mm. tricky like moral dilemma right now because it's like like yes you're my friend and you're going down a slippery slope, but actually it might not even really be any of my business. So where do I go from here? And I think things mm. like these are tricky. And there's a lot of conversations, even about smaller things like that, where there's a lot of conversations where it's like, if you know that your friend is cheating on her man, is it your place to go and tell her man or to go and intervene? You know what I mean? It's really hard to be the third party just like externally experiencing someone close to you being abusive because it also creates a dissonance like this person that you've known to be like a wonderful incredible person is suddenly being abusive it's really hard to navigate especially when it's family it's really hard to navigate and i guess if you're listening the best way to handle it is to unpack where your moral blind spots or your moral boundaries mm. are. Because I know I don't pray as a moral fucking person. So I'd happily say, I saw it and it's not my business. Yeah. Like, I'm not, like, see, I feel like, unlike most people, I'd be happy to say I saw something sus and didn't do anything because I didn't want to deal with it. Mm. That, like, I'm happy to go Honestly, to sleep that's how most people with that are. in mind. <laughs> yeah. But, but no, I think most people are that way and wouldn't admit oh, to it. Yeah. And so when they think about these situations, they will think aspirationally in this hypothetical scenario. Mm. Well, I absolutely would do something. If I saw it, I would say something. I mean, we, yeah. I would, yeah I, and it's like, yeah, hypothetically you might, but I think in theory, in practice, if you got yeah. a call today yeah, that says, hey, babe, I found out that, you know, your employer is, um, what's a good, your employer who you spend a lot of time with is currently abusing their partner. You have a personal relationship outside of work. Um, and I would assume that you'd feel comfortable saying something. Mm. I, I'm personally would be like, (laughs) I don't know know him. (laughs) I don't know. I don't really know them like that. Yeah. But Look, I think it's super interesting. So the point, the moral of the story is do what you feel you're comfortable doing. Yeah. But I and think, also keep yourself I, safe. Like, I would also be wary, you know, to go and intervene in someone's relationship and be like, bitch. Because then what if they come for me and they kill me? Like, no. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> keep yourself safe. Uh, keep your partner, keep your whoever you're trying to protect safe. And don't buy into moral absolutism like it's a very 
I guess it just comes down to like who does it benefit for you to intervene and why? Mm-hmm. Oh my god. So true. Yeah. Because I was reading this book on the emancipation of African women mm. and how bringing in Western feminism to like a place like Africa doesn't translate because it do- you have please hold- no, a let's very talk about poor this understanding right of culture. Yes. And so when you step in like a savior, assuming that your way of navigating the situation mm. is the best, it's also really one dimensional. Mm. It doesn't take into consideration that you and your perspective isn't always the most, uh, like the most righteous or the most right way to navigate things. Oh, I love that. Yeah, book. no. And that's a conversation we need to be having more often. Not just with feminism, but also because imagine a white girl going to a village talking about the wage gap. Bitch, we don't have water. Like we don't like are you it's like those white girls who go to Zimbabwe to paint huts. And it's like now the villagers have to deal with their broken huts and Stacy over here who thinks she's helping like a lot of times. It's just better to mind your business. And this is the point I was trying to make earlier between like, if you don't like it's using your, your eyes and your lived experience to navigate every situation that doesn't actually concern or affect you can be a dangerous way to navigate life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like we can assume how we do things is the best because it's the most frequent and the most, um, like common way to us. But sometimes it's not. It's not. Hey? And I think maturity is acknowledging that. Like <laughs> yes. I see it and like I'm I'm seeing it as bad. It's like the discussion we have about religion. Mm. Like on that from the outside in, it's easy to look at it and be like, this is fucking crazy. Yeah. Those people are insane. They believe in an imaginary person yeah. who has, you know, a sway on the way their life goes. And then you say, you know what? I don't know what that would feel like. So I mind yeah, my business. Literally. <laughs> it's like when white girls, um, or like not even just white girls, when Western people talk shit about like the Muslim religion or Islam, talking about, oh my God, like you guys are so oppressive. And it's like, but have you ever asked a woman who is a part of that religion instead of inserting your perspective? Like, is it every day insert and assume? Like, no. something i've also learned from like this is kind of a whole different conversation but i also realized that a lot of people are very bad at what's it called i think a crucial part of friendship is like listening and listening to hear and not listening to insert yourself and i think that's Mm. just like something that i think maybe one percent of people have in the world Mm. like when i even think about the people i know and i'm like if i have a problem like who could i genuinely go like if i'm being abused who could i genuinely go to who would listen to listen without judgment to hear and actually be helpful i can probably think of like one person and i think that extends itself to like our inability a to mind our business and our inability to just like not project our context onto other people. Oh, that's a big one. Do you know what I mean? That's a very big one. Like, why don't we have that skill as human beings? I mean, I feel like because there's a lot of conditioning to show your care through like doing, mm. you know, like I show you I care and I'm kind because I've like put myself out or I've listened or I've given you advice or I've been empathetic, you mm. know, I feel like listening just listening has never been 
you know, pitched to us in a way that like that's enough. Yeah. Yeah. Or just listen to people who need you. It's like, no, I need to go above and beyond. They need my help. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah. But it goes back to like, to what extent should we be inserting ourselves into celebrities' lives? Like, why don't we just leave them alone? Or anybody's life, period, yeah. though. I think we have, like, we as in society has this unnatural, um, like, affinity for pretending like we're morally superior than celebrities because we haven't... I don't know what it is. I don't actually know what it is. But the amount of people I know who think they are, quote-unquote, better than celebrities because they're not swayed by money or they wouldn't change their behavior based on what somebody else told them to do or they don't feel you know like they want to be mm. like they want to be performers for society it's like well you don't have you're not because you don't have the yeah, choice yeah like, like bitch maybe you don't, you have, don't have celebrity problems yeah. like, <laughs> like, like i would never let myself get embarrassed on such a grand scale i'm like period because you don't have access to a scale that grand <laughs> <laughs> of course you wouldn't <laughs> I am screaming. I also think it's very naive. I agree with that entirely. I think it's very... So I I believe that power corrupts everyone. Like, no one is immune to what power can do to you. And I think it's very naive and a, a bit arrogant when people are like, oh, I could never... Like, I don't know. I do think there's something dubious about people who, like, pursue fame and, like, people who run for... for for office and people who run for president because i'm like what type of person wakes up one morning and thinks yeah i'm the person who has all the answers to all of society's problems i also think it's naive to think that if you were if you had that platform and if you had all of that fame and that power that you wouldn't be corrupted in any other way like how sweet like you'd be the first person (laughs) I think the only <laughs> person with power who is still functioning is Erica Badu. Everyone else, I don't really know. Even so, though, yeah. Erica Badu says some like clapped things. What has she this said? This is not completely hinged. Really? Yeah. Let me let me Google. Let me Google. Yeah. Okay. Like that time that she said she saw something good in Hitler. <laughs> okay, but what did <laughs> she mean? What did she mean? <laughs> um. She also said that, um, what did she say about R. Kelly? Oh, I remember the R. Kelly thing. Yeah, she said, what if one of the people who was assaulted by R. Kelly becomes an offender? Are we going to crucify him too? Keep your opinion to yourself. Which is not untrue. Yeah. I guess it's, it's timing. She was like, I don't have anything bad to say about yeah. him. And we were like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's... <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> Not one thing. Not anything at all. <laughs> yeah, I remember that that R. Kelly situation. I think she was saying like, "Why don't we forgive him?" I th- I think Erica <laughs> Erica Badu her timing sometimes is really off, mm-hmm. and she'll be like, "We should just forgive R. Kelly because he's a human being," <laughs> and I'm like. But it goes back to the point, what is good and bad timing? Yeah. I'm not saying that she said anything that I'm like, oh, like, what? Yeah. Because, like, all of her statements, she was say- with the Hitler thing, at first she was saying that she doesn't like the phrase problematic because it implies that everybody is void of bettering themselves yeah. or that not yeah. n- nobody has, like a, a, like, a hint of virtue in them, even if they do objectively bad mm. things. So, whatever, out of context, I don't care. It's just one of these things where I think everyone's fucked 
I believe that from the bottom of my heart. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm quite comfortable with people and like the bandwidth of their behavior because I know that mm. or because I believe that to be true. Mm. There's no person I look at, even the most kindest, per- the most kind people and say, whew, there is nothing that I don't think. Yeah. Like, I think everyone's capable of doing bad shit. People do bad shit every yeah. day and we just justify it because we didn't lay our hand on that person mm. or we didn't actually steal from that person. But it's like, bitch, you did. we didn't did. actually make that person a slave. And it's like, if you have an Amazon <laughs> Prime subscription, listen, don't, I'm actually not going to go there today. If you purchased from Amazon. And you know, I'm just not even. Let me not make you feel bad because <laughs> I can be a problematic queen. Me and Azalea will I was hold down the ship Listen, for you. I was just going to bring up my queen, uh, Azalea Banks, <laughs> my favorite philosopher. <laughs> I think the reason I love her so much is that she, I feel like she's one of the very few people who's just problematic with her chest. And I think a lot of mm. us can learn from that. I think I was doing a dinner with strangers last week. And I asked people, like, what do you wish people would do more often? And someone said, I wish people would talk about the way, the things that they're bad at more often. Mm. And I really fuck, like, I fuck with that on so many levels. Because especially in New York, I feel like every time I go somewhere, it's just people pitching themselves and, like, elevator pitches every day. But it's so refreshing to be with someone or to meet someone new and they're just like, I'm trash in these ways. Like it just, and that's like Azealia Banks energy where she just is messy, trash, just publicly a three-dimensional human being. And we just need more of that energy. I think we have that though. From who? <laughs> I mean, I would say I, I, I hear people refer to things they're poor at or they're bad at or they want to be better at far more really? than I hear people gas themselves up. I never. And that's not even like, oh, I'm such a terrible person. Mm. But the amount of people who won't take compliments, who um, won't, like, number, let's see the, the compliments. Yeah. Up, right? Yeah. I could tell someone, I love the way you worded that. Oh my God, coming from you? No, stop. Yeah. Like, no. Mm. Oh, I love the way you've done your makeup. Oh my God, what? Uh, no. Oh, I love the way you, like, I love your outfit. Oh, this was so cheap. I got it for $5. Yeah. Like, it's nothing. Like, that shit, I will hear far more than someone just letting things sit. I think it's definitely to cultural the- and racial and also gendered um, in that. So you had a really interesting Instagram story where you were talking about self-love. I think we got to save this one for the yeah. next episode. So we're gonna, we got an hour of conversation I know, for that. I know. We have a, yeah. So we're going to save that for the next episode. But yeah, definitely, I feel like in New York, everyone is just always pitching themselves. And I'm just like, stop being a robot for five minutes. <laughs> just stop being a robot. Like, just relax. Not every day elevator pitch. But yeah, hmm. we'll discuss that in the next episode. We'll be talking about self-love and why people don't love themselves and whether we love ourselves. And... Mm-hmm. Whether self-love is even natural realistic or realistic, journey. yeah, or worth the hassle. So yes, join us in our next episode. Thank you guys for listening. Let us know your thoughts. 
um join our facebook group that's where all the conversations go down the link will be in the description box or you can just go to facebook and type in bobo and flex and join and let's let's chat follow us on instagram on twitter on youtube we're on all the platforms as bobo and flex and we'll catch you in the next episode bye 